welcome back to the self-care unit with Operation Happy Nurse and Don't Clock Out. Today on this episode of Mental Health Matters, Carly and I are welcomed by Mike Johnson. Mike is an author, speaker, Air Force veteran, sex coach, and incredible advocate for self-love and all things mental health. Just a trigger warning or content warning for today's episode, we might potentially talk about sexual assault and sexual violence. So just a quick trigger warning and note here. So how are you doing, Mike? We like to ask that because it's all about mental health here. Um, I'm blessed. Uh, thank you for allowing me to be here with you too. Um, I feel good. I feel good. I feel great. I uh, you know, just saw some family. Uh, just celebrated, you know, the life of my grandmother. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm in a good place. Thank you. We like to just check in. Carly, how are you feeling? Uh, I don't know. I like, I think I've been in a little bit of a funk, to be honest. I don't know uh, what's the cause of it. I could just be overworked, you know, the usual, but yeah. uh, just kind of trying to enjoy my days off and Namaste. <laughs> Soak it up. Yeah. How are you, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm like getting over something like that and starting to see the other side of it. And it's not easy. And I think, I don't know, January was a lot um, for many reasons. I think just adjusting to a new year, also being in a different role um, than I've been over the last few years, like being away from the bedside has been complicated. And um, being a new nonprofit executive director slash founder has been a little bit difficult. So um, just trying to adjust to new things. And Carly, I hope that things get a little bit better for you. And they need to stop overworking you you because it's not right. (laughs) Well, it's also my fault because I have that guilt complex of needing to come into work when they text me and they're drowning. So we're working on our boundaries. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, you know how I feel about that. I meet like after a year in nursing, I was like, yeah, no, y'all are not going to exploit me for my time. And I'm not going to be coming in extra if I don't have to. So, well, Mike, we are so interested, intrigued, and excited to learn more about your role as a sex coach. I'm blushing if y'all can't (laughs) see. (laughs) Um, And I think that's just from my own personal like life and journey being someone who grew up deeply religious and so for me sex has always been a really difficult topic to speak about openly um, because of the repression of being a Pentecostal growing up Pentecostal um, in a Latinx family I'm Dominican and so it was really difficult growing up just talking about sex in general I literally wasn't even allowed to go to the sex ed like field trip in elementary school because I was so um what's the word like sheltered yes thank you Mike and so I've as an adult I'm still working through that so I'm really curious and I think Carly is also curious as well and I hope our listeners are as well because it's something so complex and impacts everyone differently a little bit more about your thoughts on how sex and mental health coincide and your role as a sex coach as well. I dated a girl that was uh, overcoming a lot of her purity culture. So I know some some things about that. I know that's a, a really big thing. And also when, especially women 
when we come into adulthood and we have consenting relations, uh, that can have major effects. Um, I'm a firm believer that energy is extremely powerful. Um, in science, we say that energy precedes matter. And a lot of people, when they look at me, they see that I'm a sex coach. And they're like, oh, you're a dude. You don't know what you're talking about, or you're just trying to be perverted. And truly, when you, the, just the touch of someone, like on your shoulder, it doesn't have to be in a sexual aspect, can really make an individual feel better, can feel seen. Um, if it's obviously if the energy is being preceded the right way. And I feel that one out of, out of the things that we already know when it comes to like dopamine rushes and things of that nature and serotonin uh, that are good for us, just that act of being held. That's why I'm, I talk to guys quite often about like aftercare. Uh, that plays a major role in just our mental being. Um, but the act of sex, it's more so the entire dance, shall I say, in comparison to just the intercourse aspect of it. Being intimate versus sex, intimacy is really important for our mental health. I think that just the act of sex itself may not be as much, but the act of intimacy and showing intimacy definitely plays a major role in having connection and positive energy exchange and being held and being able to voice your questions or, or thoughts that you have. I have a, a newsletter that just came out. It's called Feeling Seen. I would love if everyone signed up for it. It's uh, F-E-E-L-I-N-G-S-E-E-N.com, Feeling Seen. And there's five parts. We have a Feeling Seen formula. Um, an easy way to remember it is dudes can't communicate effectively regardless. Uh, what it stands for, though, is the first step is discovery. Then we have communication. Then we have consent. And then we have engage and reflection. And when it comes to sex and intimacy and mental health, I think that like the formula I just dis dis discussed and talked about truly plays into that. It literally quite, it helps us when it comes to those things. When we reflect upon whether it be an intercourse or a session that we were just having, or when it be to a conversation that we had earlier in the week or in the month or in the year, and to be able to effectively communicate our thoughts and the other person doesn't take it the way that we are trying not to get them to take it, they take it the way that we're trying to get them to take it. That literally, those things right there could alleviate so much stress up off of us and help us. And so I think that I would say intimacy over sex, but the actual act of sex, you know, we know the science behind the dopamine and the serotonin. Yeah. It's, and like, just from a physical touch standpoint, we, Sarah, you can back me up too, but I feel like with nursing, you see that all the time. Just people, you know, when you're caregiving, it's like just a hand holding, like a touch on the shoulder, like you spoke about, like those little things are what I honestly remember too, because I feel like I'm directly involved with their care and I'm a physical touch person. Like I just, <laughs> if it's boundaries, you know, but I just, I just love people. I'm a hugger. I grew up in the Midwest, so we do that as well. But yeah, so I totally see that side of it too, just and how that can help someone heal from the inside out. Yeah. It's like, if it's about a mother and her infant child, when her infant child is, you know, being flesh to flesh, that is energy exchange right there. This is what we're talking about. I think that people like, um, growing like purity culture, we're talking about that and religious thing. We, there's an aspect to it that is quite beautiful that doesn't get spoken about. Like the example I just gave the infant child with her mother being flesh to flesh on her chest. 
that is energy being exchanged right there. This is a beautiful situation. The child may not even be able to speak yet, but can feel that love. Yeah, I just really love, especially because we were talking about religious culture, purity culture, and what made it so toxic for me and the reason that it impacted me throughout childhood, adolescence, and then as an adult, and I'm still working through it, is that lack of communication, that lack of transparency between individuals, um, that lack of support and getting into things like consent and not understanding that someone would be capable of not asking for consent, right? Before physical touch or um, intimacy. And I think just the lack of communication associated with purity culture invites that because it, it, it is a, um, in a sense, it is allowing for um, silence or, kind of suppression of thoughts and feelings and emotions in regards to intimacy and sex. And I really love your process surrounding openness and communication. Um, and that newsletter sounds amazing. What was it again? Oh, feelingseen.com. Thank you. Feelingseen.com. I'm going to be, I'm going to be subscribed. <laughs> also with consent though, that uh, a part of consent that we don't usually talk about is Allowing, giving ourselves permission to forgive ourselves, you know, for giving ourselves permission to uh, go past shame and to work through different things. And so I think that consent definitely has to do with the, the boundaries aspect, but consent also has to do with so many people hold so much within. And consent is giving yourself the ability to be free. You know, so it, a lot of that has to do with self as well, just as much as it has to do with someone else. Uh, being asking for consent to our body or into our boundary, our domain. No, I accept that fully. It like gave me chills because I never really thought of it that way. And it's empowering in a sense. And I think it's something that's going to help me cope through what I've had to cope through and what I'm still going through. I grew up very non-denominational Christian, but also Methodist in a way. So Sarah, what you're saying is like hitting home because I, I always, it was ingrained in me that people that are promiscuous and have sex a lot and all these negative connotations, like I used to be so judgy because I grew up with the mindset that you have sex to have a child and that's all you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be married and there's these steps that you have to take to be traditional and or God will smite you and all these things. So it, I, my experience was very negative at first because I kind of felt like not something I had to do, but it was, I always felt dirty about it. So I think now that I'm obviously in a very healthy relationship and thank God, uh, but that finally gotten to a place where I feel comfortable with myself and my body and et cetera, et cetera. So happy for you. Yay. <laughs> uh, so Mike, one of the reasons we wanted you on this podcast is your book, Making the Love You Want. The Operation Happy Nurse founder, she's been really open with us and allowed us to share that she has dealt with sexual assault in her past. Since we're talking about consent, and I know you write about your own experience in the book, what led you to be open about this topic? I think, you know, about my book, thank you for bringing it up. My mother didn't even know some of the things I talk about in that book. That, that book was really therapeutic. I had to... uh obviously speak to my mother prior to it coming out like, Hey mom, you know, 
these are things we need to have conversations. And so that book was really a release for me personally. I felt that by being a position of attention, however you want to say that, by someone that has attention and someone that comes across, I know how I come across at times. And I know the things that I've I've gone through in life. And I feel that if I can show that vulnerability, despite the way I come across, that will shed light to someone. You know, that will open up someone's eyes. Um, There are things that men don't speak about uh, that have wrongly taken place against them that they should speak about. It will help someone else. You, I can't even begin to tell you the number of DMs I get from men. As long, and men are like, dude, this took place against me. Thank you so much for speaking on that. You know, it's good to see someone look like me as being a male talk about these things because they're not in the shadows anymore. And so I also wanted to let people know that like things like being taken advantage of can happen to people that look like all of us. The three of us on this call, everyone listening, it isn't a certain demographic, a certain class, a certain gender, a certain. Now, when I say that women are, we all know the statistics way more taken advantage of than men. Uh, So I don't want to speak lightly to that. Um, But at times, even without, even outside of this subject matter, but all subjects, when a person or a class isn't represented, they're silenced. And so I felt that with my newfound attention, that it would be good to be transparent and authentic to myself. Also, because I can relate to people on such a deeper level. The times I've had conversations with people that have seen me in the streets and we've had a deep conversation because of things that I've said in the past and we've had a breakthrough for them. That's everything for me. That's just that's love. That's beautiful. That's like the gift of today, the present. It really just showcases the power of peer support. And it's part Mm -hmm. of why Don't Clock Out and Operation Happy Nurse exist is because we are able to share our stories and in relation to how our workplace environments cause us harm, how working in healthcare impacts our mental health and being able to be vulnerable in that sense and be peers and support one another in our experiences is what creates this level of community. And I believe that you're creating a sense of community to the people who have also gone through this because they feel seen through your story and it's incredibly important. Yeah. No, thank you. For I definitely want to create an entire community of people that know how to communicate their thoughts. Uh, well, I've had people that have written into us in a newsletter. It's amazing when you allow someone to a safe space to speak and you make it anonymous if they choose to. It's just quite honestly astonishing the things that people will say and get off their chest and just want an answer, some feedback from. And so I just find that I personally think that all of my male friends, all of my lady friends, all of my friends in general, something has taken place to them to where they could use a friend, you know, to just have a conversation and to, like that peer support that you were just speaking about, especially someone who knows what they're talking about in the sense of that's their profession. Yeah. And I know from my own experience, I didn't realize that things that happened to me were bad. 
like, cause I thought, oh, because I was so sheltered and everything, I thought, oh, this is normal. This is how it's supposed to be. This must be what it's supposed to be like. And then you realize when you get in, when you talk about it or people that understand or just, I went to therapy, but <laughs> it kind of, you realize you like, break down those things and you think, oh wait, that was not okay. That was not normal, but you don't understand that until you're kind of seeing outside of yourself. So having that peer Definitely support so. is very helpful. Definitely. And the, talking about therapy, so many of us, and talk, you were saying therapy and I didn't know this or I didn't know that. Normally what happens to us as human beings, when we go through a traumatic experience, there's like a groove that is created within our nervous system. And we're the, we had, that's like there's a marble ball right here. I, I wish that people, I know it's auditory. I wish they could see it visually. Um, but there's a groove and there's a little, imagine, imagine a marble ball right here. Normally what happens to us when we go through a traumatic experience, we don't go through the other side of that. We don't go through it. And so therefore we just have this groove that's within us. And then some point in time in life, something can spark that, right? And that it still hasn't, we still haven't worked through that area of our life. And so you're right. You're absolutely right. There's things that, to me, I've had to do a lot of deep work, a lot of meditation, a lot of breathing, a lot of breath work uh, to just know who I am. A lot of conversations with my therapist. Um, like I'm, I'm really blessed right now with feeling seen. We, one of my, uh, I call her my coworkers, my company, but we're still all coworkers, right? Uh, one of my coworkers, she's, she has over 25 years experience. So we talk all the time. She's like, I have a cheat code. She's my therapist. And I don't got to pay her. So <laughs> we talk all the time about this stuff. So it's amazing. I love, I love you, you. Well, not using, but like love, like leaning on my therapist friends. And like, yeah. I feel like they can see when I'm at my lowest and like, Hey, how's it going? You want to talk? I'm like, yes. <laughs> also I'm come fine. to my house, please. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird too, how things manifest later on. Like you were talking about with the marble that completely makes sense because it, until at least for me in my own experience, like something can happen and trigger that. And I feel like we, that word is overused a lot, but something just manifests differently. And then you don't realize that, oh, that's happening because of this that happened. And it's a little ripple right. effect. So right. like to that point, Mike, um, I've never openly shared this on my platforms or with anyone other than my husband, but I feel comfortable because of what you've shared and just having this space. Um, in high school, I had an experience that has impacted me forever. And I would never, I don't want to go into detail about it, but it's definitely something that I'm still processing and working through. And because of this podcast episode and because of the space that you hold specifically, I feel comfortable sharing that. And I want to thank you for that. No, thank you. Truly, truly, truly. Yeah. I wish I can give you a hug. Yeah. Um, I feel I feel the love like through the online waves. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I just felt like a cathartic release. Like I just internally took the deepest breath and I do feel a sense of freedom. And to that point, Mike, do you have any words of encouragement for anyone who is also struggling to either accept that this something like that has happened to them 
or would like to kind of speak more to their experiences um, and share about sexual assault? Yes. Um, I feel honored that you felt comfortable sharing. So thank you. Really, really do. That's, I don't take that lightly whatsoever. To my advice would be for those individuals, if you have someone that you can speak to, definitely do. And if you don't, it's not the end of the world. That's okay. There are many resources out there. Please DM me, please write into, you know, uh, my platform newsletter, Feeling Seen, and I literally will respond. Um, there's things that I think one of the biggest pieces of advice is learning how to speak. And I know that sound, it will go over a lot of people's heads, but truly learning how to communicate your thoughts, um, learning how to tell what took place, how am I feeling in this aspect? So for an easy example is a lot of us, we place a lot, like, like you were speaking about judgment and judging other people. Our English language is rooted in judging. It truly, truly is. Like it's, it's rooted in judgment. Uh, I was on The Bachelor and people can say, I don't like his outfit. That's a, that's a very minimal judgment, right? We all have done it, uh, but it's literally rooted in our language. And so I feel that my biggest piece of advice outside of exercising, it's the biggest antidepressant that no one uses, uh, outside of speaking to others, outside of getting some vitamin D in the sun, outside of writing, actually um, writing and, and just going deeper and deeper and deeper into yourself uh, until you get it all out on, on paper or, you know, digital is to learn how to speak your words. And I, I, I genuinely mean that. I feel this and then insert what it is because I, and then insert what that is. That truly will help an individual release so much just by learning how to speak. We're learning on the affirmations and speaking about, you talk a lot about self-love, which it's a process, but we're, we're working on it. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people have connected with your message what would you say are commonly shared obstacles to loving ourselves fully? Going back to consent, um, having shame within ourselves, genuinely, uh, things that we've done wrong or things that have been done wrong to us. Um, that's extremely hard for people, especially when it comes to self-love. Um, I, again, with having my platform, the things that people share with me and the things that I care about, they feel comfortable sharing those things with me. It's so many different conversations and stories that I've heard and consent of self comes down. It comes down a lot to it. Forgiving ourselves. Uh, my biggest piece of advice would be though around self-love. And that's why my book is, I call it a toolkit. I don't even call it a book. It's just a toolkit. Go to your favorite chapter, you know, get what you need out of that, whether it be faith or something else within there is to, I, I get sad because I've had these conversations with friends and they're no longer here because they lost their battle to depression. My biggest piece of advice, you gotta be courageous and share. I, I don't know how to get you to be courageous and I'm being honest, but I do know all it takes is one person or one resource to truly change your life around and help you out. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I think that the people that will become, will be asked to be shared with, sometimes 
just truly listening and not giving advice, but just listening to that individual, just holding that individual, just being in, in communion with that individual does so much for people as well. And so that would be advice for the person that someone comes to them, you know, because I think that both, both, both parties need advice around that. I spoke on my, I spoke extremely passionately on my uh, IG oh, some time ago about just, <laughs> if we are truly expressing ourselves outwardly how we feel inside, we will find our tribe. Our tribe may not be what we think it is or who we currently have as our tribe. And that's okay. But if we are truly, authentically, unapologetically ourselves in a respectful manner, of course, we will find our tribe. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough, the importance of being yourself and speaking how you feel. And that's why I go back to previously, we have to learn how to speak. It sounds cliche, but it's so true. Um, I'm going to be speaking about that on my um, my newsletter, Feeling Seen, teaching that because I think that no, we, didn't, we, don't, we don't get taught that in school. What we get taught in school is how to get the right answer, you know, versus how to, how to convey, how to convey your thoughts. And I think that what people need to learn how to convey our thoughts. Also just active listening. I think that's something huge that we do in nursing all the time. And I think it's really beautiful when you do it correctly and you, you feel like you have that moment with your patient where you've kind of uncovered something and they feel more at home. And I love that. That's, that's what keeps me going in nursing. Say, uh, (laughs) that is a selfless job right there. A selfless career. Seriously. I was, uh, with my grandmother back in November in the hospital with her and oh my God, I just kept thanking her nurses. Like y'all are around the clock with it. I mean, cause I would assume, is it fair to say you guys go home and you, you, it's not, a, it's not a career to where you can clock out and you're completely done with it. Right. Would that be fair to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the hardest part is leaving it at the door, either going in yeah. or coming out. I think that's where we all probably struggle in the beginning, but you kind of learn along the way. So something that you noted in this, um, throughout this podcast episode is just having courage for yourself and in your book and just in your social media and the things that you stand for, you talk about making sure that you stand up for yourself. And that's one way to be courageous. Um, It is easier said than done though, especially for me. I feel like I have been building bravery over years um, and have found that boldness and standing in my truth has been the way to just advocate for my profession, advocate for my own needs, um, be able to create boundaries and set them and be respected in that sense. So if you wanted to give someone a place to start in terms of being courageous or standing up for yourself, what tools would you give them? It was step one uh, that I talked about my feeling scene formula, discovery. You have to discover yourself. You have to, and the, the way you just, it's, it's paramount. Um, and just by talking out loud to yourself, you know, saying your thoughts or writing it down, I think that's a wonderful, just first step, just get it out. You have to get it out of here. You know, whether that be literally talking out loud, whether, whether that literally be, I think a, a, a big thing is meditation. 
but I also feel that people should be taught how to meditate. Um, and so if people listening to me, if they've never done it, they probably won't do it and I don't blame them. But so I always will go back to just writing it out. Just writing your thoughts out. But also, I feel like you just said, standing in your truth has helped you so much. People hear things that can help them, but we're not them in that moment. We may have been them at our own moment, but we're not them in that moment. And so I feel the best piece of advice that I can give someone that, you know, is looking, okay, Mike, I hear you be courageous. How do I be courageous? Is to do something every day that you feel is courageous. That could be as, literally as simple as opening the door without the um, the chain lock for the Uber person, the Uber Eats person, right? Just doing one thing every single day. It's the way that you build trust within yourself. It's like I have asthma and the way that I built my trust up so high, it starts with small things. I'm laughing because it's so true. I will put my inhaler inside of my carry-on bag and when I need it, I may, I may forget that I had it and I'll look and it's there. That little small thing of having my inhaler there made me trust myself a bit more. Maybe, and so in order to be courageous and get that cur- courage, it's literally like building blocks, like Legos. It's one small thing every day. You will grow 365% more at the end of the year. It sounds like to me what I'm receiving from what you're saying is like, validating yourself and your experiences through being open with yourself, saying it out loud, um, writing it down, or starting with building blocks and steps to validate your needs and how to build trust within yourself. I really like that. And I hope that people who are listening can use that um, in order to begin to establish a sense of courage because it's hard. It's hard to also even admit that you aren't courageous. I think there's shame associated in that. And I mean, like we all start out as little bald little babies and we're scared of everything or wait, we're not scared of everything when we start out, right? We are ready to explore. Explore. Like we are, and we are ready to touch electricity that we shouldn't touch. We're let, ready to dive into a pool that we shouldn't be in. We're ready to eat things that we shouldn't have. And then once we start to develop knowledge and understanding, that's when fear sets in. And I think because we know so much, it's hard to develop that courage that we have, that kind of infantile courage. And f- finally standing in your truth is almost a part of like growing up or growing up within yourself again, like a, I don't know. That's, that's what I'm feeling in response to what you've said throughout this. And I don't know, it's really empowering. Absolutely. It's like learning how to do a backflip. Right. Yeah. And I'd say, I say that because it's a very fun, playful thing in order to, I can't do a backflip. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I literally remember trying Mm -hmm. so hard for a year you, I have to build that courage with courage within myself in order to trust myself that I'm not going to mess up my nice teeth, right? Or my, my nose or something, right? Um, but we know so much. We know the dangers that could take place. I know I can break my neck. Or I know I can you know, hurt my shoulder. And so you have to get past that by building blocks, just small steps. Small steps make for a giant leap. I always say that 
my friends are like, you're, you're just a confident individual. I'm like, no one is just born confident what they are or confident in every single subject. What they are is competent. Now, when you're really competent in something, you can be confident. If I, I am an extremely confident person, but if I went into the hospital, I'm not going to be confident. I don't know how to help nobody. <laughs> I just don't. Right. And so it, what it takes, you know, I would have to go to school and you just build up and then get practical, you know, hands-on experience, just build up over time to where, oh, wow, I'm extremely competent at this. And now I have, now I have confidence. And so it's the same thing within ourselves on how to build courage. It's okay. And I do think you're absolutely right that some of us are shameful that we can, that we know we don't have courage, but I think that that's a beautiful thing. And the reason I found it to be a beautiful thing is because guess what? You know something about yourself and now you know that you're, you know, the trajectory that you can go down and it's just taking a step forward every single day. Like there's three parts to the, 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 to someone who learns how to step up for themselves. The first, they're normally extremely quiet, reserved. This is more, I hate saying things like this because we get a lot of backlash. People don't understand my heart in this aspect, but women natural women historically have been the ones to be quiet and, and just keep it within, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and then step like women are caregivers more so. And so therefore when we got bad kids, you kind of forgo yourself in that example. Right. Then the second step is once we learn that, Hey, my needs matter, my needs need to be validated. Then normally we get an attitude and we're like, I need this to happen. Right. Or we're just rude. But I think that's also a beautiful thing because you're, 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 you're needing, you're, you know, that you have needs and that they need to be met. And then the third and final step is conveying your needs while listening to the other person and not being disrespectful to them. So everything has building blocks to it. And I think that's what I would tell that person listening is that you can hear us. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I hope that you feel my heart in this. You can listen but it's going to be you. The three of us on this call are not there with that person listening right now. Just, just one step in front of the other. One step. Mm-hmm. That's what I say, day by day. <laughs> it, it, yeah, truly, you're right. It, it, it truly is day by day. And I can't wait to that day that that person decides to reach out to someone and entrust someone. But know that all human beings aren't the same. So if, you know, we always say like, or women this, or guys this, right? And we we got to be careful of our language because not all women are this way or not all men are this way, right? And so if and when the, this person listening does open up to someone and it isn't well-received, please, I implore you, don't say, this is why I don't do this, you know? I like that you said that, and there's different aspects of that, but I do think that it's important not to generalize everybody. Yeah. And understand there's easier people said out there, but yeah. <laughs> so what is something new that you are starting this year for your mental health? Or if not new, is something that has benefited you in the past that you think would help our listeners to try? My word of the year is complete. And that genuinely does. I know this is something that is so not what one would think, but this is why I love the beauty of questions because you don't know what that person will say. I think when you start and complete something that if it's for you and something that you want, it will literally make you feel uh, 10 times better today. 
up until this point this year, I've completed two things that had so had me so stressed and it was changing my behavior and my attitude. And they're both completed now and accomplished. And so I'm really big on complete. You know, when you can complete something, it it just does. Like when you completed your nursing degree, it just makes you feel. And I know my friend's wife was going through that and she was not happy through it at all. But her stress levels and her mental health is 10 times higher now on such a positive just because she she completed it. She got through it and it's behind her now. And but for what I've done for my mental health, I am big on. I don't know, even know why I think I'm I think I'm I feel the reason why is because. I see the outpour and every time I do it, I'm big on speaking my mind with the people closest to me. I'm big on telling them how I feel while when I say speak my mind, being respectful to those individuals and knowing that I don't know nothing and just hearing people and listening to people's perspectives and thoughts really does help. A lot of times when I do that, I find I'm feeling a type of way because I'm the one that's in it. And when I can get like an outside view, it really does help me. Mm-hmm. Like on the complete component, like my husband, he literally has a checklist that he looks at every single day and he adds to it and literally marks things off and it's in his notes. And and he tells me, and he tells me, Sarah, I got this off my list and I feel so much better. And because of him, I've started to do the same and it really makes a difference. And it's funny because in nursing, we rely on checklists all the time in um, electronic health records. Like we actually have to do check boxes and it shows that we completed something within our shift and it is really satisfying, but in our daily lives and practice, just, you know, not like actually being able to complete something, especially if you're someone who has like ADHD or anything like that which here I am, hello, just like finishing a thought even is a win. So um, right. you got to count those small wins when you really add up. Yeah. And so I've been starting to implement that. A win is a win. A win is a win. I love how we got, I love how we ended this. <laughs> no, I, I am task oriented. So I love a good checklist. I feel so more, I like being productive, even if it's something small, like read 30 pages a day, you know, something like that. That's really beneficial to me. So I like that complete. Okay. Complete. Definitely. I mean, and, it, and I say it like that because it could literally be, I'm going to do yoga or Pilates or walk around the lake here in Austin once a week. And if you do that, it does help you. It really, really does. Mm-hmm. It just, you, you trust yourself more. You're like, wow, I did that. You know, good for me. Yeah, exactly. Stand, stand in your strength. Self-accountability. Courageous. We're just yeah. throwing out words. Yeah. You're very inspiring. Really Self, Thank you. Self-accountability. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Like, I feel empowered throughout this to be a little bit more brave. Thank you so much, Mike, for taking the time to talk with us today. If our listeners want to see more from him, check out his Instagram at Mike underscore Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, and his book, Making the Love You Want. Thank you again. And his newsletter, feelingseen.com. Yes. Hey. (laughs) Free resource. Uh, We have certified Chopras. We have 
mental health, licensed mental health therapists. We have board certified sexologists. Um, we literally have the gamut of people give you the information you need. Um, and yeah, I, I think that we're doing some great work over here. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Mike.